Amen. Hey, why don't you stay standing just for a moment if you're here in the room. I am so excited because we have a special guest with us today. We have with us Murray Averill, who is the executive director of Alpha Australia. And if you are part of the tribe of True North, you know that Alpha is at the heart of what we do and how we want to bring that good news that Christ is risen to every person we can. And uh, I've gotten to know Murray over the last couple of years. I probably first met maybe last year at some point. Uh, Murray was on the trip. A lot of you know I was in London earlier this year. Murray was a huge part of making that happen, bringing the team together uh, from Alpha and some others to go over there. He has just got an amazing uh, heart of faith, of expectancy, of believing for what God is going to do. So I'm so excited that we get to hear from him today. Can you join me and just welcome a big round of applause. Welcome Murray up to the stage and get ready for what he has to share with us today. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> so good to be with you. And it was just an absolute delight to get to know Dean and Lisa and Levi and Asher uh, over in London. It was wonderful. And uh, I go to a lot of churches. And this is a fabulous place, um, even physically. Walked onto this campus. I reckon this is the best designed camp, church campus in Australia. I think you guys are, I'm serious. Uh, you may be thinking he says that everywhere. No, I don't. This is it, people. You're here. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, really, real uh, privilege. Thanks for having me here this morning. And I know that you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew. My sister, I have a sister who has this, I think it's a terrible habit, when she's reading a novel, she starts by reading the last page, which is like, really? That's a terrible thing to do. And now I'm going to do it. I'm going to go right to the end of Matthew. Matthew, and it's chapter 28, and starting in verse 18. And it's something that generally... He gets a title, The Great Commission, and this is what it says. Then Jesus came to them, that's his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, the Great Commission. I have a family. I am a father. I have two daughters. I may have a picture. Maybe. There we go. So that's uh, my oldest daughter on the left and her husband, Alexander Pappas and Emily. And uh, they've gone to live in America yeah, yeah, I know, I know, America, who'd who do that? Alex actually comes from L.A., so they've gone back to L.A., um, and uh, Emily's the digital director of Alpha, and uh, she's still doing it because it's digital um, from America, um, can lead the team from there, The other, that's my youngest daughter, Alice, and her husband, Jordan Staines, and Alice is the communications manager for Alpha. It's a bit of a family affair, isn't it? They actually got work there before I did, um, believe it or not. And, uh, um, and that's my wife, Jane. And we've been happily married for 33 years. Yeah, no. 
don't clap, we've been unhappily married for one. Yeah, yeah, it was my fault, totally my fault, our first year of marriage. I decided we're going to sell our little house because we need to build, build a bigger one to, for, for children. And we're going to go to save money. We're going to live in a caravan. And we couldn't stand up in the caravan. And the toilets and showers were 50 metres away. And that was a really bad idea. So I thought, since it's Father's Day, I'm going to give you a couple of tips. There's my first one. Don't do that. Don't do that. Not a good plan. L.A. This funny thing happened in L.A. on the 2nd of July, 1982. Uh, there were aeroplanes flying into L.A. airport, Los Angeles International Airport, and they were reporting that up where they were flying, it looked like there was a man sitting in a chair up there. And it was true. What had happened was a truck driver by the name of Larry... Larry, um, he had this idea. He, he was, he thought, I'm, I'm going. I just want to see my neighbourhood. There were no drones back here then, you know. I want to see my neighbourhood. So, he and his girlfriend, they went and they bought 45 weather balloons, not little balloons, weather balloons. Filled them with helium, tied them with ropes to the back of a chair, which was then tied to his truck. And the plan was that he'd get in the chair, which he did, tied himself in. And he's going to be released and he would float above the neighborhood and just have a look around. So he gets in the chair. He takes with him a BB gun so he can shoot the balloons and come back down. A CB radio. That was a good idea. Peanut butter sandwiches and a six-pack of beer. And then his, his girlfriend releases the rope. Well, instead of just floating above the neighborhood, he took off <laughs> into the air. He managed to shoot out a few balloons before he dropped the gun. So what do you do? Well, he opened the, the six-pack of beer. <laughs> and at about 2,000 feet, he blacked out. Um, he managed, I think, to radio somebody. But anyways, uh, he, he, got, he ended up at 16,000 feet where the aeroplanes were flying. Finally, he got back to the ground. By, by the time he gets to the ground, the reporters are there. And they said to him, why did you do this? And he said, well, you just can't sit around. Oh, you just can't sit around. Apparently, poor old Larry, lawn chair Larry, he got labelled by the media. But poor old Larry was la lacking a purpose in life. I, I, I'm not sure he completely found it. Um, you know, I think the two great questions of life are, who am I and why am I here? The questions of identity and purpose. And poor old Larry, he probably found an identity he didn't want, lawn chair Larry, and I'm not sure if he found his purpose. But for each one of us, these are two big questions. I think for everybody, these questions resonate in the heart. And in this passage that we've read, Jesus answers these two questions. The first answer, identity. He calls them his disciples. And this, for those of us who identify as followers of Jesus, is like our overarching identity, a disciple. In Jesus' day, there were rabbis. They were those who sort of rose to the cream of the uh, religious academic world. And uh, they were, a rough translation could be teacher. It's not a great one. because But what they would do is they would invite followers. They would call, call them disciples to come and follow them. And uh, 
This was much more than an intellectual exercise, which is why perhaps teacher isn't quite the, the best term. It was almost more like an apprenticeship. Uh, because you weren't just there to learn. You were to learn the teachings of your rabbi, but you were there to, to actually often live with your rabbi, to, to, to look and observe closely and see and, and eventually be able to imitate your rabbi, how, not just what they knew, but how they spoke and how they acted and how they reacted and just how they lived life, every element of life. That was the role of a disciple. And so those of us who are followers of Jesus... One of our great tasks is to be an imitator of him. I love that you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew. I, I think it's powerful every, every year, if you can, to read through the Gospels. And as we do that, observe closely the life of Jesus, because this is the one that we're called to follow. Uh, observe how he goes about things, how he speaks, how he talks, how he acts. When he asks questions, you know the Gospels record 307 questions that Jesus asks. And as he asks questions... Put yourself in the place. And, and though you may already know the answer if you've read that before, how about just stopping for a moment saying, what's my answer? Let Jesus speak to you. Let him question you and, and then learn of him. Followers, disciples of Jesus. And then making disciples. Purpose. Again, an overarching purpose. And we have, can have many other purposes of life. But here for the followers of Jesus... Jesus says, go make disciples. It's an echo of the Garden of Eden when those first humans were, were told to be fruitful and multiply. And so in the DNA of humanity is this desire to, to recreate, to reproduce. And those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is also birthed in us, that we would be those who have this heart to make disciples. When my second daughter was born, I... Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, um, I guess, excited for this gentleman. I think it's Heath. And you, if you were here earlier on, you would see he has this great T-shirt. And it says, when it comes to being a dad, you nailed it. Yeah. My girls never gave me that T-shirt. <laughs> My wife never gave me that T-shirt. <coughs> yep. Yep, if anything, sometimes it would have been, when it comes to being a dad, you failed it. <laughs> and it certainly was true in this moment. My wife is about to give birth. We're in the birthing suite. She's about to give birth. She's never let me forget it. Do you know what I did? Here's my second tip for, for, for fathers here today. I yawned. <laughs> can you believe it? I yawned. Absolutely, apparently the worst thing you can do as your wife is just about to give birth Yawning, so there you go. But um, I think what we all know is that um, birth, it, sometimes it may seem like a, an event, but actually it's a process. It's a nine-month process, isn't it, And uh, that can, can appear like an event. And this whole idea of making disciples, it's not just an event. It's a process. And, you know, we, we, I, I've got a simple diagram, and, and it's not perfect because everybody's journey is different. But becoming a disciple of Jesus is a process. And that uh, diagram just gives you some idea of, of when at some stage people are, are far from God or don't really even know about God or don't know about Jesus. And that's true of many people in Australian society today. What they do know is often not actually that accurate. 
um, but they may know something. But there's a journey, and, and you begin to understand more and hear more of the gospel of Jesus and how he came to die uh, on the cross to, uh, to forgive us of our sins, and we can come into this relationship. We can become followers. We can become disciples of Jesus. And finally, that, that moment of commitment to Jesus. It's this journey, and uh, our, our great uh, privilege as disciples, making disciples, is to help people on the journey. And that's what making disciples is. It's just helping people another step along the way. Dads, it's just helping your kids. You know, the children need to be discipled. And uh, can I encourage dads here? I was, um, I was a school principal way back, a long time ago. And uh, I had a head of English, and she, she had this beautiful saying. She taught her students, it went like this, excellence is the basics done well. And I think a lot of life comes down to the basics, doing the basics well. And, you know, some of the simple basics, and uh, Pastor Dean was already talking about some of the couple of the simple basics is reading the Bible and praying. And it may not be long prayers, and it may not be long readings. Uh, personally, I use, um, I love that you're reading through Matthew. Keep doing it. But uh, probably for a decade now, I've used an app called Bible in One Year, B-I-O-Y. And it gives just readings that you can do every day. And it even gives prayers. You can pray. And uh, if you just want to do those New Testament readings, it would take you maybe 10 minutes and two minutes to pray. But dads, can I really encourage you to let your kids see you read the Bible. And let them hear you pray. Basics done well. That alone, if you just do that consistently, and it may not be every day, but just let them see you do that. And, and do that yourself. And then let the kids see you, see you do that. And that will be something powerful. That will move them on their journey of faith, as well as moving you on your journey of faith and growing in the understanding of God as well. You know, the, uh, this Great Commission always needs to be partnered with what get, has got known as the Great Commandment. This is when Jesus, and you would have already come across this one in your readings in Matthew, but when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The, this idea of making disciples must never come out of some sense of religious obligation or some sense of guilt, but rather be motivated by love. Motivated by the love of the people around about us. Motivated to, with this great desire to see them also come to understand the love of God and the saving power of Jesus Christ. In uh, Proverbs 19.22, I was reading it the other day, it says, What a person desires is unfailing love. What a person desires is unfailing love. Again, I think God has placed deep in every heart this desire for unfailing love. And there's only one place. And we should do all we can to provide love for those around about us. But ultimately, there's one place you'll find unfailing love. And that's in Jesus Christ. That love will cause us to or lead us to help others, to encourage others. Sometimes it's simply an act of kindness. Sometimes it's a, a prayer for somebody. Sometimes it's going out of our way just because we 
we sense that that's something we should do or could do for somebody. Yesterday, I was in a uh, coffee shop and we had some of our Alpha team here in, in Perth for a couple of days and uh, one of them was Liza and Liza works in, in prisons um, and uh, her friend Claude was with her and then we had some of our other team. We're sitting, we're having breakfast yesterday morning near the city and just next to us was a table uh, of ambulance drivers. There were a couple of ambulances outside. They must have been having their early morning coffee, getting ready for their day or something. And, and so we finished our breakfast and Claude said, let's pray for the ambulance workers. And uh, so we, she just walked over and uh, Claude's a young woman. And, but she just went over and she said, hello. And she said, uh, we're a group of Christians and we think what you do is absolutely amazing. And do you think we could pray for you? And they all just nodded. And so we came over a bit closer and, and she just prayed this beautiful, simple prayer, just thanking God for them, for the work that they do, and asking God to be with them today. And particularly if they come across trauma, that the Lord would help them through that situation. And they were all smiling. And I thought, well, there you go. You know what? A lot of Aussies actually... Most Australians, if you say, can I pray for you, will say yes. They just don't expect you to do it right then. <laughs> they think you're going to go and light a candle in a cathedral. And so, and she's just, she said to the first guy, he was Adam, because he had Adam on a shirt. Uh, or either that or he stole someone's shirt that morning, but that, it was Adam. So she just said, Adam, can, can I put my hand on your shoulder? So Adam said, yes. And again, mostly the people say, yes, you don't have to do that. But sometimes it's a point of contact. And this is particularly if, if you've been talking to somebody and they, and they share some, some issue in their life. Can I pray for you? Yes. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? That's the, that's the first clue that you're about to do something now. That like softens the blow. <laughs> and then the most simple, natural prayer. Please. Please don't do one of those other prayers. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and that can just help. I, I suspect that, that they, they, all these young ambulance workers here, I suspect that that just showed them something about faith, perhaps that some of them hadn't seen before. And I, I actually hope that, believe that prayer actually did bring God into their world in that day and perhaps just help move them along that journey of faith. Actually, um, four years ago, before she worked for Alpha, Liza, she was running Alpha in her own church. Just in case you don't know, Alpha is a, is a, it's a series of conversations that we have to help people on the journey of faith. So usually over about eight weeks. And we uh, typically, it starts with a meal, and then you watch a video, and these are very, very well thought through videos. And each video asks, uh, asks a question. The first question is, is there more to life than this? There's the question of purpose. The next one is, who was Jesus? And the next one is, why did he die? And so on. So it just leaves people on that journey. And uh, so after the video, you get a chance to just have a chat about the video. What do you think about that? And it's a very um, authentic opportunity to talk. Uh, it's non-judgmental, it's very inclusive, everybody's welcome at the table, anything you want to say about this is fine with us, and we just let people talk, and then we find that 
many people will come on that journey. And by about week seven or eight, many, many people will say yes to Jesus. I actually want to be a follower too. And uh, it's just a wonderful way to bring people into that, that relationship with God. And so uh, Liza had been running it in her church, and, but she decided, I want to get outside of the church. Where else can I do this? And nearby was the Youth Detention Center in Brisbane. And so she went there, and remarkably, they said, you can come and run it here. And so she did. And then she's got other people doing that. And then uh, uh, her friend Claude, who was with us yesterday, she, she's now running that in the detention center. They now have 35 people going in. Uh, and they, they not only run Alpha, they, they have little church service, but they also do play sport and they do arts and crafts and all sorts of things with these young people um, all through the week. And just get a load of this. The detention center have given Claude the keys to the detention center. They said, we love what you do here and the impact you are having in this place so much, we want you to come anytime you possibly can. Here's the key. Who gets the keys to a jail? <laughs> wow. Like crazy. But here they are helping a group of young people on the journey. So far this year, 20 of those young people have said, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Just incredible. Oh, boy. When it comes to being a disciple, it comes to being a dad, perhaps when it comes to being a human being, um, I, I'm flawed. Any, have I got any other friends who are flawed? Great. Thank you. I suspect the ones who didn't put their hand up are the ones who are most flawed. Um, <laughs> well, I know what your flaw is anyway. I want to um, love people around me. I want to help people around me come to know Jesus. But talk about being flawed. Like, we live in an apartment block, which is fantastic. We got out of the suburban house where you know one or two people in your street, and we're in this apartment block where now we know all these people. And, uh, and um, just trying to love them and get to know them. And, and there's a, a door that's right next to our door. There's a guy, a single guy, um, older guy there, and don't see him much because he leaves for work at five o'clock. We know because we hear the door bang, but you know, five o'clock in the morning. So I don't see him very much. We've been there for four years. Um, he's been there for the four years, and uh, about two weeks ago, we happened to meet at the door as we're going in. And I said, Hey, g'day, Peter, because you know, I'm trying to be the nice, smiley, friendly face. And, uh, and he said, My name's Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even get a name right. Wow. Flawed human beings. But it's okay. Because here's the great news. We've got a great commission, we've got a great commandment, but we've got a great Holy Spirit. And here's the wonder of uh, being a follower of Jesus, that it's not up to our brilliance, our smarts, I mean, we should not use, make excuses. We should be the people that, have, that are following Christ with authenticity. But, but the Holy Spirit comes to empower us. He comes to fill us as we ask him. And that grants us the, the capacity to be the people he's calling us to be. And then... Uh, he doesn't only just fill us, but he's also at work in the people around about us. Do you know that God loves them even more than we do? 
He wants them to come to him even more than perhaps we do. I love a, uh, a quote from a Canadian pastor, Daryl Johnson, who says, Evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. And sometimes it's just a matter of that prayer that says, Lord, what are you already doing in that person's life? And how can I join what you are doing? How can I help this person on that journey of faith? Mm. And then sometimes, um, as well as being kind and caring and loving, it's also inviting. And for many people, as we were saying, they, they don't yet know much about Jesus. They don't necessarily know the truth about him. And so somewhere on the line, it's going out of our way to say, would you come? Would you come? And we see this in the Gospels. As you're reading them, you'll notice that every now and then somebody says to somebody else, come and hear this man or see this man, Jesus. How many of you ever had a, don't put your hand up on this one. Who's ever had a dating knockback? Yeah. Here's the question. Did you give up or did you keep going? I asked that question in a church recently and this guy in about the fourth row put his hand up when I said, Who, who's, who's ever dating knockback? And he put his hand right up like this. I thought, well, that's brave. And I said, well, did you give up or did you keep asking? And he just pointed to the woman next to him. <laughs> like, evidence, proof, I kept asking. Woo! You know, apparently, uh, well, surveys has said that four in, out of ten, ten Australians, 40% of Australians would say yes to an invitation to some sort of Christian or religious event, something like church, like Alpha, like your home group, like even just your place, if asked by somebody they trust. It does mean that six out of ten are going to say no, but are we willing to go past that barrier in order to reach out and make disciples? And sometimes, you know, that's the simplest invitation, just a would you come? Would you come with me to Alpha? Would you come with me to church? Sometimes it starts with, though, would you come to a coffee shop for a coffee? Would you come for a meal? But a invitation. Uh, about 10 days ago, I got a phone call as I was driving to work from Paul. Um, and 10 years ago, I was a senior pastor of a church, and we started to run Alpha ten years, about 10 years ago. And this is our, we're going to run our first Alpha. Now, Paul was um, in a special branch of the police, and uh, a lady he worked with invited him to come to Alpha. And he said yes. So he came to Alpha, and he went on that journey that we're talking about. And by the end of that journey, he decided he wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And so then we're going to run another Alpha. So he sent asked his wife to come along, and she had a senior job in government, and she came along, and she became a follower of Jesus. And then they had other family members um, come after that. Uh, it was a wonderful story. He was ringing me because he said, today is my 20th wedding anniversary, and I am the only person in my whole extended family whose marriage is still together. And I want to say thank you. Because Jesus made such a change in my life and in my wife's life, and I don't believe we would be still married today if it wasn't for Jesus. The hero of that story is the lady who said, would you come? Would you come? Transformed his life. 
his wife, other members of his family, and ultimately his marriage as well. We like to say this, the invitation is our job, the acceptance is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we can just trust in God. So, uh, here's an encouragement, if you, you may already be doing this, but love to encourage you to get a piece of paper or a card or something and write on there five names of people who you can be praying for who you can just be perhaps looking for one day that opportunity to move them on that journey and that may just be that word of kindness that may be the invitation to a coffee it may be a, a, a prayer for something that's going on in their life and then ultimately it might be an invitation come would you come to alpha would you come to church would you come and who knows what may happen in that person's life. Disciples making disciples. This was Jesus' plan for his church, and we get to be a part of it. Would you join me in prayer? May I invite you to just have a moment of prayer. You may not be used to this, but it's simply a conversation with God, and it's just uh, you can just do it quietly there and this prayer I'm going to invite you to pray just uh, God what of what I've heard this morning is for me and what do you want me to do about it Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for this wonderful group of people who have gathered on this day to worship you. We thank you for the saving power of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the infilling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live for you and for each person here today. I ask, Lord, that whatever that call to action in their heart is, Lord, that they'll have the courage to act on it, that each one of us, Lord, would be your disciples, making disciples, helping others along this journey of faith. Thank you for this congregation, this church. I ask for your blessing upon this place, especially upon every dad this morning. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song of worship. Would you stand, please, and join the team?